The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. 29 makers and designers from Waterford, Wexford, Kilkenny and Tipperary will be showcasing their food, fashion, home and garden wares at the Ballymaloo May Fair in East Cork in mid-May. So if you're looking for a road trip that incorporates some purchases from independent producers from around the southeast and lots of entertainment, then this is a win-win. Brie Allen is Festival's Manager in the Grain Store of Ballymaloo and she's going to tell us more about the Ballymaloo Mayfair and you're very welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Is this the first of the Mayfairs or have you been doing this a while, Brie? This is only our second one. Okay. Actually, we started them last year and yeah. Okay. And how are they going? Like, what's the reception like? Brilliant. It was really, we sort of started quite small really last year and to test the waters and, and see what it was like. And then this year we've grown it and it's doubled in size and it's a much bigger affair um, so yeah, it's, it's, I think every year it'll just get bigger and bigger and, and hopefully better and better. Well, if 29 makers and producers are from the southeast, you must, like what numbers are we talking about when, when we talk about the stalls then? So the exhibitors of stalls, we have over 120 wow. this year um, showcasing their, their wares and, and their art and their craft and their design. Yeah. And we, we tend to, for the Mayfair, we, we sort of have a theme of fashion, home, food and garden. Okay, good stuff. So what, what sort of stuff are we talking about? What kind of stuff sticks out from the southeast for you? Um, they're all so amazing. <laughs> like, we're just overwhelmed with such extraordinary talent in this country. I'm mm. so passionate about how, how amazing the time and the effort and the talent that the Irish people have to put into their craft in particular, and they're all amazing. I feel like I'm choosing my, my children over the other ones. <laughs> it's not terrible. But Katerina Tremel, she's from Waterford. She throws her own um, pottery, her dinner uh, tableware pottery. She makes the most amazing teapots. And I don't know if anyone realizes just how complicated making a really good teapot is. One that doesn't drip. It's like a chocolate teapot. One that drips is useless. Hers are beautiful and she makes her own glazes and she fires them in lots of different ways. And they're just an extraordinary tactile. You reach for it on the, the, the shelf. It's just so beautiful. Gorgeous. And then um, we have Christina Murphy from Urban Aaron. I don't oh, know yes. if you've heard of oh, her. Oh, yeah, I've had she's, Christina in. She's gorgeous yeah, stuff. Yeah. She's gorgeous um, knitwear, beautiful contemporary knitwear. And they sort of really vibrant and muted colors. And they're... They're brilliant. You could wear them winter, summer, spring, all year round. And she's so, so talented and such a lovely, lovely lady. And then once again from Waterford, we have Little Catch. So they're doing the festival rounds this year. They're a seafood food truck. Lovely. They do the most delicious prawn toast. Uh-huh. It's something that you think about two, three weeks after <laughs> you've had it going. That's exactly what I'd really like to be eating right now. Such talent. Like Their food is just really delicious. And their truck is gorgeous. It's really petite and pretty and just really fabulous addition to, to our festivals. So are you incorporating the whole of the grain store though, then? And are, you, are you outside with the food sections of it too? We take over all the sheds. Okay. So we have the grain store and our main grain store, which is where we have our weddings and our events and our corporate things. We take that over and we fill it full of these amazing stalls that we're talking about today with um, all our craft makers and designers. And then we do the same thing with the big shed. So we have this big industrial shed, and we clear out all my brother-in-law's 
tractors <laughs> and grain that, and hay and everything else. <laughs> and we throw loads of different producers and exhibitors in there. And then actually for this one in the middle of the big shed, we're going to have our workshops. So quite a lot of the producers that are coming are um, hosting workshops as well. So we've got brass wreath making. We've got um, one woman, she's doing painting. She's going to teach you how to do a seascape in an hour. We have another woman, she's doing kokodoma, which is this um, Japanese plant, hanging sort of fern plant thing. I'm not even 100% sure what it is, but they look fabulous. I want to do that workshop. And then all the food is then in another shed that we clear out again, and we fill that full of tables, and we put all our food and hot food producers. So there's a really nice place to sit down, listen to some music, and have something delicious to eat. Sounds fab. And then performances as well. You have some capoeira going on and stuff like that. Well, actually, you can take part in that. So we've got this walled garden wellness area. And so we've got capoeira cork coming, and we have just jitsu, so you can come and do an hour's self-defense class, and you can come and do a sound bath with shama, which is where you're immersed in music. Um, So we've got lots of different wellness aspects that you can join and do yourself. Okay, lovely. And, you know, East Cork, you know, not too far away from certain towns in the southeast and a little bit of a hidden gem East Cork is, isn't it? Oh, I think so. I moved here 20 years ago and I was only coming for a visit basically for a couple of months and I'm 20 years later, I'm still here. And there just seems to be so much going on around there. And, and like I said, so close to Waterford and Dungarvan and other parts of the southeast as well. So if people fancy a road trip to the grain store. Now, now describe where you are, because, of course, there's there's lots of different sections to Ballymaloo. So what should people be putting into their Google Maps, for example? If you put in Ballymaloo House to your Google Maps, okay. we're right next door. To, we're on the same property as Ballymaloo House. OK, good stuff. So you can walk down to the grain store. And as you said, your poor brother-in-law has had to put all that machinery somewhere else. <laughs> he looks at me and rolls his eyes. <laughs> what are you doing now? <laughs> and I'm sure May is an important time for all that machinery as well. But sure, he'll be grand. Um, he'll be grand. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> good. It gives the farm a really good clean up. Like it's spotless after I've been in there. <laughs> Oh, there you go. That's a, that's a good complaint <laughs> for him. <laughs> good stuff. Well, you can get more information on the Ballymaloo Mayfair and to book tickets at com. It runs from Friday. We open at five o'clock on Friday evening Okay. with um, a Midsummer Night's Dream in the Walled Garden. And then it's all day Saturday until late with Candlelit Tales in the evening once again in the Walled Garden. And that's sort of, we'll close around 10 o'clock on Saturday. Lovely. And then Sunday from 10 till 5. Lovely. Tell me about those candlelit tales quickly. What's going to be happening with those? Candlelit tales. It's so beautiful. It's a podcast. I don't know if you've ever listened to them, but they do Irish mythology with music. And it's a brother and sister. um, I think they started about three years ago. Maybe it was during the pandemic, actually. And they just, it's their take on Irish mythology. And she's, they both have beautiful voices. And it's just, it's, it's really wonderful for my kids to listen to because they're learning so much about Irish mythology. It's just a really lovely performance. And I think in the world, walled garden with lots of candles and music, it's really, it'll be fabulous. Lovely. They don't really come. This is their sort of first foray into Cork. Oh, They're only just studying. They've been very much in Dublin. So I'm looking forward to seeing them too. Okay. And that's on the Saturday because on the Saturday, your closing time just says until late. So that'll be when, when the sun starts to go down, you'll be doing those candlelit sessions. Exactly. Lovely yeah. stuff. Yeah. So There's let's... a full schedule on our website. 
good stuff and that website is ballymaloogreenstore.com and you can get more details on booking tickets there children under 12 go free but as Bree said that festival runs from the Friday from 5pm to 10pm Saturday 10am until late and then Sunday 10am to 5pm and that is the second May Fair at Ballymaloo and that website again is ballymaloogreenstore.com Bree thank you so much for talking to me this morning great to see so many producers from around the South East heading to Ballymaloo for that May Fair and you seem like you've so much going on so I hope you get a good break after it, it all happens Oh I, I'll crash and burn after all of this <laughs> After you've cleaned down that grain store After I've cleaned down the grain store exactly <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to talk to you the Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Five counties, one station. It is Beat 102-103. And Jess Martin from Beat News was down at the SETU Arena in Waterford during the week where hundreds of students across the southeast gathered for Youth Day 2023. Let's hear all about it from Jess. A celebration of students' involvement in the young St. Vincent de Paul programme been hundreds of people gathered during the week for Youth Day 2023. Secondary school students across the region showcased their projects in the Southeast Technological University Arena in Waterford, which included projects based around support and friendships, promoting self-sufficiency and working for social justice. The aim of the youth branch of SVP is to encourage young people to get involved in their local communities and to create a social awareness and support for those in second and third level education. I met with the Youth Development Officer for SVP in the South East, Debbie Donohoe, who has the role of generating workshops within the schools across the region. She says that the young people involved are really trying their best to contribute to society. Everybody here today has volunteered to be part of SVP this year and that's why it's such a positive, lovely energy in there. They put in hard work through the year and I suppose this is, the, this is their end result and um, they're very supportive of each other and even you know, in this, we do some stage presentations in the afternoon and they're all behind each other and bigging each other up, which is lovely to see. I don't think we see it enough. I see we can see a lot of negative things for young people so we should be definitely focusing on the positive. There's 350 students who gave their time to volunteer for a charity this year so I think that's something that should be magnified that's something that we should be celebrating. Debbie also told me about the work she does in the schools across the region. Everybody is going through their own thing and their own journey and I have to be very mindful when I'm going into classrooms and I'm talking about people who are struggling with the rising cost of living or from poverty that I could be speaking to students that are sitting in front of me and it's very important that we're mindful of that and it does make people but they it I think it's empathy, it's to get them to think about other people and to get them to think about if they have the opportunity to make a difference, they should and they and they do and they have all done that, which is amazing too. When I meet a group for the first time, I make sure that they leave knowing who we are, exactly what types of help that we do and how to go about getting help and that it's a very supportive, informal um, request as well. There's nothing, it's not like we're here to catch you out if we're asking you questions. We just want to make sure that you're getting all the help that you need. So it's just making sure that they know the information and any information that I give them that it gets to the people that need to hear it. It's really important. The atmosphere was incredible as positive energy was bursting through the doors of the SETU arena and students were just beaming with pride. Next up at the event, I met David O'Neill, the SVP regional coordinator for the Southeast, who told me how the Young SVP programme kicked off. 
It's great to be back uh, this year. Uh, we have, uh, I think, over 20 schools across the southeast region, ranging from Leash, Wexford, Kilkenny, Carlow and Waterford. So we're delighted to have all the schools back on board. Primarily the SVP programme, it was uh, started 10 years ago as a pilot back in 2013. And the southeast region was one of the first regions to... Uh, to pilot programme under three years and uh, it was actually uh, supported by Electric Ireland who gave us the initial funding to get it off the ground. So uh, primarily it's to support uh, young people in schools uh, to look at social justice, look at the needs of people in community and it's very much, uh, uh, it's not a recruitment campaign at all for St Vincent de Paul but it's very much trying to sow the seeds of social justice uh, among young people. David told me that the coordinators, organisers and teachers are all as equally impressed by the students that they're very proud of the hard work they put in each and every year. The social awareness, particularly among young people, just speaking to one of the teachers uh, from the Telesalle School here in Waterford, and uh, she joined the programme back in 2014 and she's with it ever since. And she just says that, look, the opportunity that's given into the uh, young students in Telesalle College is that... Uh, she said they're great guys, it gives them a great understanding of social justice, uh, they do great work, they do great fundraising, particularly at Christmas time. And she said that just the whole thing, she said there's 33 of them this year who has joined the programme. And it's a weekly programme that uh, we've got a schedule, it's very much, uh, the programme is tailored to each school. So you can take as much as you want or leave as little, uh, you know, take as little as you want. But uh, in Della Salle here in Watford, the guys have really taken it on this year. Of course, there's the SVP for adults and we've learned about the young SVP for schools, but that support continues into third level. Whether it's that you need support from the organisation or wish to join to help others, there are particular supports in place for those in colleges or universities. SVP societies and colleges are student-led and they organise their activities each year based on their interests and skills. Overseeing the colleges and third level aspect of the SVP community is Neve Brennan and she says that it's important for students to recognise that there's a continuation there going from second to third level. Neve gives us a little insight to how the older students contribute to the SVP community. The third level students, they do what we call direct and non-direct contact activities. So they work with uh, homeless people doing street outreach, they work with the elderly, they work with people with disabilities, they work with um, young people uh, running after school clubs and they also do non-direct activities so they might decorate flats for people who aren't able, they might run fundraising activities, all that kind of stuff. There's also a very positive trend that's reoccurring. The amount of students who have come up to me and said that they've been helped um, by SVP in their education and because of that they then wanted to get involved. Like That has happened nearly at every open day I've had somebody has come up saying thanks for the help that they've gotten. It's extremely positive and then they want to help, they want to volunteer then because they've been helped. There was music, face painting, singing and dancing and that was before the stage presentations even began. Students were curious about projects done by other schools and the exhibition gave them the chance to set up their stand and chat to students from across the southeast before delivering their stage presentations on the day. And here are some of the thoughts of the teenagers that attended Youth Day 2023 with the Young St Vincent de Paul programme. 
I would say definitely look and see if your school has a young St. Vincent de Paul community. It can definitely help you kind of find a sense of community with a lot of people you wouldn't have even thought of kind of speaking to to begin with. Great charity and it's great for people who um, well need stuff. We have most of us here have everything that we need and I think everybody should deserve at least decent human rights. Um, I think it makes everyone a bit happier. just feels good to help people who need it. Oh, it's just great because you have your friends and you're doing, organising things to make other people happy and to like, you know, support communities that don't have a lot. For more information on the charity or the Young SVP programme, you can go to svp.ie. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Financial Wellbeing with Bank of Ireland. Empowering you to take control of your finances now and into later life. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Well, Bank of Ireland are on a mission to empower young people to learn a life skill that will help them take control of their finances now and into later life. Recent research undertaken by Bank of Ireland showed that 18 to 34 year olds scored lowest when it comes to financial literacy. So what is financial literacy and why is it important? Well, Lucia McCauley is one of Bank of Ireland's financial wellbeing coaches. They help people explore their finances and build a better relationship with their money. She joins us on the Sunday Grill this morning to explain what financial literacy is and the financial literacy survey results. That is quite the mouthful, Lucia. You're very welcome to the Sunday Grill this morning. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, when you say financial literacy and financial wellbeing, kind of deep in my soul, I understand what it means but I'd find it really hard to explain it could could you explain it to us and why the two of those terms are so important yeah well I suppose I start with financial well-being financial well-being is closely linked to your overall well-being so we think about our physical and our mental well-being all the time but we also need to think about the financial element in that as well so they're intrinsically linked so recently um I, I was speaking to another financial well-being expert and we were talking about this so if you think of your mental well-being um you might think you need some counseling or some therapy or you decide to do you know mindfulness and different kind of elements you're going to have to pay for that and then if it's from the physical element you you might go to a gym start up certain classes that's going to cost you money so again it all links back into your finances and when your well-being's affected if sorry if your finances are 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 affected essentially mm. um you might start to feel under stress and you might start to feel pressure. So that's when your well-being and, and I suppose overall can be affected. Mm-hmm. So financial stress can bring a lot into that. And then when we talk about literacy, financial literacy, this is about having the skills and the knowledge to make the sound financial decision. So, you know, understanding how you spend your money, how to save money when you're borrowing money and then also, you know, planning for the future and planning ahead. And we're in challenging times at the moment. So, you know, with the cost of living and changes in interest rates and, and different things like that, people are even more, it's more important now for people to help them navigate through those challenges. So having, if you're, I suppose, armed with the information and the tools, when you hit those bumps in the roads or we come to those those tricky times or, or different life events that can happen to any of us at any time, um, you know, your literacy skills, if they're high, you know, you're you're going to be able to navigate that a lot better and with a lot confi- a lot of confidence as well. And do you mean by that understanding or kind of having knowledge of the vocabulary that goes with your finances? It's probably more understanding the concept. So, okay. for example, it it could be something simple like how to budget, um, mm. and or what kind of spender you might be. So, for example, I I am an emotional spender. Oh, me too. So if I'm feeling <laughs> if I'm feeling a bit down today, I think I should go and buy myself, you know, a nice outfit, oh, and I'll you. feel a little bit better. I think most or if most of us are like that. Yeah. Aren't we? <laughs> yeah, and I suppose it's it's even to actually bring that to front and center. 
and and you actually realise that um, can make a, a massive difference. And then that's when you start to address your your financial wellbeing and your and your literacy and your skills that's there to make you know to have that confidence mm. then to go. Do you know what? Actually, I need to deal with whatever situation it is. I don't need to go and actually make that purchase because I don't really need it. That's really you know, interesting so because I suppose when we think about stuff like being an emotional spender, we don't think back to our you know our bank accounts and and on our pay slips. I, I think it's hard to almost like like mold the two of them together because because that's what it is at the end of the day our finances whereas I I think we do see it as a well-being moment a hundred percent and I think you know we all get paid and it might be weekly monthly or, or fortnightly but when that comes in like it, it's your most precious resource that we all have mm. and um it's, it's just looking after that and then again it's identifying your types I suppose your baggage as such um and then once you address that you can you can really you can make strides and you can, can plan ahead and and it's great to be able to plan ahead and and with a clear mind and and just having that confidence it's, it's really it's really really great it's really great to see people when when they can do that with when they're using the tools that are there so you, you carried out a financial literacy survey at bank of ireland and um, the results especially for 18 to 34 year olds as we said were quite low. There's a big difference between being 18 and being 34 and how you think about your finances. So in what were those results and what did they tell us for that age group? Yeah, well, I suppose they showed for us that uh, I suppose as a nation, we're actually lagging behind those of the Nordic countries. So like your Sweden's and your Sweden, Norway and Denmark, they were all in the in the 70s plus. And then um, closest that actually was Australia. And then our neighbours in the UK were in the high 60s. But we were we were considerably low. And I suppose for, for that cohort, now we have a financial literacy programme um, in all of the primary and secondary schools across the country. And we've covered 418,000 students have been through the through the programme. But what we can start to see is there's a bit of a gap between transition year, you go to college, you know, mm. you're, you, you have all these facilities and then you get your first job. And people don't understand maybe things like how the tax system works. So, you know, like emergency tax and how PAYE or PRSA, how, how that all works. And then things like you're, you're 25 and you're told um, we're putting you into a pension scheme and you don't even understand how that works. And then you're thinking, I'm sure, I'm not going to, I won't be here in 40 years or oh, I'm yeah. going to be retiring in 40 years. Away. I don't need a pension. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and I think it's people don't understand the concepts. Like the best time to start a pension is in your early twenties because you're going to have a really big pot when you do retire. So um, it's it's helping that cohort, and we're doing a lot of work in that space now at Bank of Ireland that we can support first jobbers and making sure that that they understand that their priorities are going to change. So as we just mentioned there, the pension is a really good thing to start in your twenties, mm-hmm. but when you get into your thirties, that's going to change again because you might settle down, you might have a family mm. you might be buying your first home and your financial priorities change so you might think then in regards to retirement or pension do you know what I'm not going to be able to afford to, to pay for that mm-hmm. so um again it's it's it's, it's the knowledge and the and giving them the power empowering them to know that they're they're making the right decisions mm-hmm. and did anything else stand out for that survey the financial literacy survey and the results did anything else stand out to you yeah, we've seen um, some factors just, I suppose, around gender gap. Um, we, You know, there's lots of studies internationally around this, but I suppose there's no simple answer to that. And I suppose one of the things we've seen was around confidence. So we know, you know, girls do as well as boys. And I suppose, in fact, sometimes in better cases, but in certain STEM subjects, we, you know, they're often lacking the confidence and, you know, their ability. So um, there were certain studies back that showed the first time respondents, um, this was a study in 2012 in the Netherlands, um, that respondents chose from a range of answers saying don't know options and then there was like the 
there was almost a 30% gap between men and women. But when they took this test again and they were just answering, I don't know, the gap reduced down to 10%. So I suppose it's, it's intrinsically linked. And then while we know that women tend to be involved as well in a lot of major household decisions about finances, they tend to focus on the everyday things. So like um, the bills, you know, the groceries, the school uniforms, you know, but sometimes, you know, they're not included then in the longer term things. So things like planning for retirement, pension cover. Um, and for example, like if you took time out of your career, which I didn't know I did um, two years ago, you know, is there other things that factor there that, that could be missing? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's just, you know, savings as well and protection in place. So these are things for the unforeseen that could happen because you because you're a woman and you chose a different mm-hmm. different path. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Interesting stuff. And you can get more details on financial wellbeing and literacy if you go on to boi.com forward slash financial wellbeing. Well, next week, we're going to talk about Bank of Ireland school programmes that are teaching real life financial skills to primary and secondary school pupils uh, around Ireland. And Lucia will be back to talk to us about that. In the meantime, Lucia McCauley, financial wellbeing coach of Bank of Ireland. Thanks a million for joining me this morning. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. They are the voices of Jolene Murphy and Michelle Heffernan. That is because it is the end of April, April 30th today. So we're looking back on the month that was. And I have to say, I usually write down stuff when they grab me. Nothing massively grabbed me this month. And then when I went to look back, I was like, oh, that was a really huge month. Um, a Biden visit. Let's not talk about the Biden visit because it really was done. Exciting. Great for Ireland. Would have been brilliant if he came to the southeast, but sure. Ah, well, let's talk about the fact that he said he's going to run for the presidency again in America. And there's been such conversations about his age that it's almost so weird to hear people talk like that in 2023 because we're very woke Mm. and we have a a catchphrase for everything. And I think that would be called ageism. But do we need to get real about stuff like that? He is 80 running for his second term in presidency. It's funny you use the word woke. Woke has become a dirty word. It has. And woke just means being more aware of the complexities of different topics. Uh So I don't think that it is anti-woke or too woke to say that 80 is a very mature age and a person's abilities to run the one of the largest I suppose administrations in the world would be compromised by their age. It's mm-hmm. not just that as well like also the fact that you know at 80 would he not like to retire after everything he's done four years and to be able to hang up your you know for us to be hanging up your headphones you know hang up your boots and say that you made it to the president mm. of the United States of America and go down in history at 80 I, I don't think you'd have the same revenue engine as you would maybe no. if you were you know a few years different you know. I mean no neuroscientist would say that at 80 your cognitive function no, and that's not it. is optimum mm. and you would really need to be at optimum cognitive function to run the American administration Can and I that- also say that Donald Trump is 76 and yet that ha- weirdly because there's so much other stuff that comes when you talk about Donald Trump running for presidency again that doesn't come up in the conversation. He's four years younger mm. than Joe Biden. That's because we knew, when it <laughs> came to his cognitive function, <laughs> we just knew that there was none there. Sorry. In your opinion, Sorry, Michelle. Sorry, in, in my opinion, opinion sure in my qualif- <laughs> own opinion, not the opinion of anyone else. In a celebrity term, age um, is but a number. Look, so as a wider conversation then, and what you're saying about wokeism and you know all these different terms that we feel we can't say anymore... Do we need to be more considered? In, in, in it is okay to say Joe Biden is eighty, and yeah. 
you know, like one journalist said that there was a unwarranted, unwarranted concern and cynical media coverage. But people are allowed, you know, journalists are allowed to have this concern. The thing and that I don't like is that everyone is eager to make everything polarised. He's either too old or he's not too old. Mm. He's either, it's either woke or it's anti-woke. And it can be true that he is very old and also that he is very capable. Yes. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, so he was so sprightly going around and so witty. Like if you saw any of the coverage when he was here, yeah. I was like, I'd love to, I didn't go now to any of them. But the fact is that he, at, regardless of his age, was able to pull off one of the biggest, yes. you know, events in history and for if us anyone, here. He's a statesman. And would that's you not? Would, being, you know, being a president is about being a statesman. Would you not retire it. after being around the block? The pressure at, well, I'm not, I'm not going to say my age, but I'm going to say, you know, 21 plus VAT at 80 would you not retire I, 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 that's what baffles me the most is that he's got the rev in his engine now, obviously there's a lot of panel behind him there's a lot of support behind him to make the decisions that need to be made but do you really want to be putting yourself in that position that if at the end of the day you're the one to blame if anything goes wrong yeah, yeah. that's he what I think he could be living it, it up in Lanzarote yeah. you know absolutely <laughs> yeah. Miami mind that. Yeah. Florida yeah wouldn't that be nice Anyway, let's move on to someone completely different and that is, are you ready, Michelle? <laughs> yes. Are you ready? Her favourite, Taylor Swift. Now, t- when Taylor breaks up with someone, that becomes world news, which is bizarre to me. It really <laughs> is. But I love that they, the conversation about why they broke up, differences in personalities, is that not just a bit of a given? And also the whole fact that he... And we don't really know him. I know he was in the other normal conversations, conversations the awful conversations <laughs> with friends. Um, Joe Alwyn. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. He struggled with her level of fame. You know. Again, what you're describing there is conjecture. So nobody knows nope, what broke true. that relationship except the two people who were in it. And mm-hmm. you can say that for any relationship. I do get annoyed when people say, here we go, Taylor Swift and another breakup story because... If you watch the Taylor Swift documentary, she herself points out that it's a way of limiting her ability as a woman. We don't talk about how Mick Jagger has mm-hmm. gone through so many partners in the same way. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, because Taylor Swift has written very honest and emotional things about her human experience of being in a relationship, people like to say, there she goes, getting bitter about someone again. Um, and it's actually her strength. She's an incredibly talented person. She's yeah. written a lot about relationships. And I was very sad personally because... I fell in love with Taylor Swift over her folk music, which would be the albums she released during her time with Joe Alwyn. Um, and there are some incredible love songs in there. And, Aww. you know, one day in the office, I actually turned to the guys <laughs> and said, have you ever listened to an album and it made you feel things that you didn't know were in you? And they said, no. And I said, you're listening to the wrong music. Yeah. <laughs> but that is what Taylor Swift's folklore and Evermore did for me. Um, and I will go back to them and I will revisit parts of myself through her own excavation of herself. Um, So I'll always support her and I'm keen to see now what parts of her will come out in her music over this breakup. Mm. That's the words of a true fan right there. Like your eyes, I can tell from looking at you the sparkle there. Taylor Swift, number one fan. But... Equally, and like you say, if you want to give out about her, just do. I don't have, I have nothing any to give really out opinion about, about Taylor her. Swift. About it, it kind of annoys me the conversations that are had about Taylor Swift when really she's one of the the smarter celebrities out mm, there. You yeah. know, it does. 
and she has to play the game in one way and I like when she goes away and doesn't play the game yeah. you know when she deletes everything off her Instagram mm. and starts again I like all of that stuff I was um, you know Shona was saying to me as it, as it broke I was like I don't believe it now I don't believe it none of them have confirmed it but <laughs> you then were devastated Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds unfollowed him on Instagram <gasps> so they're Taylor's friends like yes um, so her that. friends have all started to unfollow Love him that. and I'm like oh no it's the plot thickens. what did Joe do what did he do and now are you the sad about Joe are you excited for Taylor in this new chapter do you know what I'm both happy and they sad they were a bit under the radar and there's weren't a they bit, there's a little bit oh. of me that sort of takes solace in it because I'm single yeah. in my 30s and I'm like do you know what Taylor is a superstar uh-huh. and even she has to start totally. over again but uh, it didn't affect me as much as remember when she went out with Calvin Harris and they broke yeah. up that devastated me mostly because really? I really fancy Calvin yeah that's Harris. it because Calvin Harris yeah. is so known but they were more you know they were more out there yeah. remember they were on the boat but I think Gigi she's learned now not to do that kind of thing yeah, yeah. true and so I wasn't as invested did he say that that was because she was so famous that he couldn't be with her. No, or is that oh, Joe Alwyn? Yeah, yeah. That's again a source has said. It's just a source has said. It's, That's quite unfortunate for uh, Taylor as well. Other sources have she can't control um, that. Speculated that he cheated on her oh. because <gasps> of he's in currently producing something or he's been filmed with a <gasps> Scottish actress and she put up photos of a night out that they had back in January. Yeah, so the plot thickens. I really hope that he didn't cheat on Taylor. But again, you know, it happens to everyone. Mm-hmm. Happens to everyone. Yeah. No one is immune to no heartbreak. Immune. Yeah, yeah. Okay, finally this morning, let's talk about a bit of a sad story. And especially if you're a dog lover or, you know, you, not even a dog lover, the death of Broad. He hadn't been photographed much. Of course, when President Biden was over, we only saw the younger dog, whose name I can't pronounce. Mishnock. Well done, Michelle. And you, <laughs> you, you always come in handy for me. Mishnock. The death Broad. of a pet is a tough one. Yeah. Um, but this dog was huge. So he obviously... Kept a physical space in the iris as well. So and they replaced um, that. The, they had two dogs. Mishnock yeah. was a part of, you know, a, a duo. Yes. And one had died, and they got a new one, new puppy. Um, and Broad. that was that was yeah. And Broad, like, had you know, he had already lost, you know, a, a sibling yeah. or a partner. And eleven years of age for Bernie's Mountain Dog is is meant to be quite a good age as well. So okay, he had a lovely okay. life. He, no, lo- oh, the, the best, best diplomat in Ireland, yeah. one might say, representing us in that yeah. TikTok video of. Um, um, the, the video that went viral of him pestering my, Michael yeah. Higgins' hand <laughs> and it's not the only one and it went viral like that's just a typical uh, you know dog owner relationship oh, totally. so yeah. sweet you are a dog owner so you are can- a cat I'm owner. a cat owner <laughs> I can't imagine something happening to my I've no. never lost a pet like mm. I we had pets growing up but when I say we had pets they were my mum's pets mm-hmm. oh totally they were her babies she looked after them mm. every day and now that I have one that I look after every day like she's my family. Oh yeah. no! Oh, totally. Like my little fella. If I I actually thought of him and I texted my partner when I found out, oh. I was like, "Give Milo a little pet for me." Milo is a six-year-old Jack Russell pug, and he's full of beans. He's a bean machine, and <laughs> um, I know that like like apparently twelve is a good age, and I just start thinking about through. that, and I'm yeah. like, well, "Well, no, some of them might get to twenty oh, totally. or nineteen and or twenty, twenty-one, like that, across know? like that, and like that. It's just I can't imagine my life without him. He went to away for a week. Um, while while we were away and he had to go to a new uh, dog sitter in Bree and I had to give him a night out before to make sure he got on okay because the last place he was in there he got bullied <laughs> yeah. but um, but like that you have to treat them like your babies and I was so worried and he got on so well and I re- my heart went out to Michael D. Higgins and Sabrina totally. with the muse that broke but as you said 11 a good age for a breed that big mm-hmm. we recently lost our dog Dougal who was 13 <gasps> 
Carla. I have to say, guys, and it was quite, you know, it was okay. It really okay. was okay. He had a really good life. Okay. He was getting sicker. I think with anything in life, yeah. you just have to live in the moment with mm-hmm. your, you know, if Taylor yeah. is a new boyfriend, you have a pet in your life, just live in the moment. Don't think about the future because you don't know what it'll bring. And when Dougal's time came, you know when they say go to the vets and everything with them? I used to dread that. I did all that and it was ah, okay. Well it really done. was. Thank yeah. you very much. And our commiserations to President Higgins, of course, and um, to Taylor as well. <laughs> <laughs> Although she's brought, you know what? I, Taylor has such she, brilliant friends that she is just. I'm I'm astounded at how she's managing mm. this because I just keep seeing the photographs of her on her tours being put up, and she's in her element. Yeah, and she loves performing, and she's just embracing, you know, how her life fluctuates. Yeah, totally. Fair juice to her. That was April. We will talk to you in May as usual, yeah. Jolene and Michelle. Thanks, thanks Orla. for joining thanks. us. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It's movie time, but Brian is breaking the place up. Yeah. It's Beat 102-103 and the Sunday Grill. Pick it up there. All right, bye. All right, there you go. Okay. It's going to fall again. Now, that's like the evils getting to us because I watched the trailer of this movie and it really freaked me out, Brian. So any weird movement is making me a bit jumpy now. So I don't know how you did in the whole of the... Feature-length movie of Evil Dead Rise. Not for me, is all I will say. Will we have a listen? Sure. No matter how busy you ever got, you always found time for me. I can't believe I'm never going to speak to you again. (laughs) When I was just a little girl I asked my mother What is this, Danny? I found it. Okay, there you go. That gave me the heebie-jeebies. The minute I put that on in the office to download it, I said to my office colleague, Killian, I can't watch this. And I pushed myself away and watched it from a distance. Okay. It freaked me out that much. Really? Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. Well, I know you seem astounded. I I would agree. People should keep their distance from this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling mean today, Orla. Right. Give us the old premise of this. Okay, so there's this family. They right. live in an apartment building. As you do. And then, so the, the, there's like a, a mother and her three children. Mm-hmm. The mother's sister comes along. She's been away for a while. She's a, she's a, works with bands. The, the role is... She's cool. She's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And uh, then she comes along. She doesn't realise that the, wife, the, the mother has broken up with the husband. So the, when she's trying to explain to the sister about the situation, she sends the children for a pizza. There's an earthquake when they go for pizza. Okay. A hole emerges in the car park underground, which doesn't make sense because they went for pizza. Why right. are they still in the underground car park with the pizza? And um, <laughs> Okay. And uh, turns out, what's in this hole? Pizza. And bank vault. Right. And they went to the bank vault and they find this evil book and they find evil records. Okay. Have they still the pizza? 
they have the pizza. Okay. Well, after, after the, well, this this is something that actually really annoyed me, Marla. So they got the pizza. When the earthquake happened, they obviously dropped the pizza. Fair enough. Understandable. Then after after they get the spooky book and the spooky records, he put the one that the lad puts it in his bag. They get they got up. They're about to go back upstairs. They look at the pizza. They see it in the box that it's fine, and they don't bring it back up. <gasps> and you know what, Aura? Well, they deserve all that happens to them. So that's that's do you know what? That's when I was like, I couldn't and care done. less what happens to these people. I'm done with them. <laughs> They're not like me at all. I can't no. relate to these characters whatsoever. Now, this is the fifth instalment of the Evil Dead film series. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've seen one of them. Okay. As in this one you just watched? I've seen that one. I suppose two of them now. Okay. But I saw the original first one. So did you go in thinking, I don't like these? These are a bit rubbish? Or did you go in with good I intentions? I went in hearing bad things. Okay. Hoping they were wrong. Okay. Right. And turns out my friends tell me the truth. All right. Um, it's no. had pretty good reviews Which from is critics. Wild! Um, I'm just seeing that now. I literally, I, I when I tell you, Orla, I could not like get behind these people whatsoever. I, I, I like it's so. There's basically in this book becomes an comes an evil spirit, and the the mother gets taken over, and she becomes like this evil thing, and then it gradually spreads and whatever. And it's like, like even the poster is freaky of this really you know dead looking person holding. Her family and even the tagline "Mummy loves you to death." That all of that kind of po- when it comes to horrors, that's the sort of thing that really freaks me out. Yes, yeah. you know, the, you know, I think so. I, I was like, I didn't have much to see this week, and okay. and I, I was, I was, you know how I am at horrors, and I always feel like it's a mean, biased review whenever I go see them. I try not to see them because it's like I'm just going to be negative about them yeah. and. It's lousy because if you like horrors and you're like, oh, he's just always going on about how much he doesn't like them. Mm-hmm. This just wasn't good. Okay. And like, not in like a, they had a small budget, they did what they could, what they could. Like, the effects and stuff were pretty cool. I have to give like props to the effects and, and like the set design and those kind of things. They were great. Mm-hmm. But it was just a story. It was just awful. In what way awful? Unbelievable? It's ju- holy? Like, what? Like, let's just say like the mother comes back up to the apartment after being possessed well after like after being a massive hypocrite like six times so basically they get the lift up in, the, in after the earthquake she's like what are you doing you shouldn't have taken the lift and exactly one minute later she herself gets the lift down then mm-hmm. to do something that doesn't need to be done mm-hmm. and like while they're getting pizza obviously for the dinner then they're like one child gets into the bath and they're like what about dinner? You didn't get any, like the pizza. Like you haven't had anything to eat. Stuff that you would think in an edit that a you know a, yeah. a very experienced editor would say this doesn't work. This doesn't make sense. That really annoys me in movies. That I, as a viewer, you're like this. None of this makes sense. I feel like the editor was powerless in the situation. Okay, but it's just like and then there was the thing like the mother had just killed like spoilers, but. It's a, it really annoyed me. The mother don't, t- don't tell. Just say she killed. Don't she, tell them who she killed. Well, she killed. No, no. Yeah, she killed. Yeah, and they lock her out, and then she just they they're like, oh, I think she's okay now. I think she stopped because she's back to her normal voice, and in a massive surprise to absolutely zero people, she hasn't. Okay, and it's like. Why, like, and then everyone keeps leaving people on their own, and they like, do you know when they like, there's like, there's like, there's like three or four people in a room, yeah. and they she attacks one person, and then the other three are just standing there, like, do nothing. You understand, like, the first time because you're like, oh my god, what the mm-hmm. hell is happening? Mm-hmm. But after she's like attacked one person already, and now it's attacked a second person, 
where is everybody? You know, yeah. it doesn't yeah. make sense, Orla. Mm. Oh God, I got really wound up by this. And like, it's not as if it wasn't. You know, it's like Lee Cronin, who is an Irish filmmaker. Oops. Sorry now. Yeah. Um, he is the man who made Evil Dead Rise, but yeah. he like he's made other like the Hole in the Ground. Do you remember that movie from no. twenty nineteen? That Irish movie. You definitely watched it. Did I? Yeah, really great little movie, little horror movie as well. Uh, he made that um, Ghost Train from 2013, little short horror as well. So this is his genre. Yeah. Doesn't work. I just, Apparently. it just like I understand what they like in terms of budgeting and in terms of like doing what they can and what they did. I think like it was acceptable, but it literally I think was a story issue. Okay. It literally was like characters were introduced, and you're like, okay, they're gonna have some role in this, mm-hmm. and it's not like a surprise that they died. It's like time wasted that they were introduced more than anything like you know Okay. and it's like different plot lines and different things set up that were never paid off and, and not even a draw with familiar faces or anything or did you recognise any of these no, no people I, like really? that's, that's that's not really like a, that's not really a big deal for I me know, honestly but I do think sometimes if a movie has holes in it uh, a big hitter sometimes will fill yeah. those holes in some way and it's like I know? suppose yeah you could be like okay this is like a famous person they're gonna Being survive a bit ridiculous. Or, yeah, yeah or, or you're like that's a bit ridiculous yeah, but it's this just, person can carry this like I, like a lot of silly decisions and like like at one stage a pothole is what stops the people and you think it's like they're they've been stopped by the monster but it's actually a pothole that they're stuck in and it's just like oh, I wonder if that's a a look back at Lee's Irish movie Hole in the Ground you know could be well there is a hole in the ground in this also there you go there it you all go. connects it all connects let's do some black puddings for Evil Dead Rise I can imagine it's going to be under the fives yeah I give it like it Three or four, honestly. Okay. Is it's, it you know if people like jump scares? Is it is it for those sort of people? I don't even know. I, I I like I literally I couldn't even really tell you because it literally it was never freaky enough because everything is so clearly explained that there's never like attention. Do you know? Okay. It's like there's no nothing ever pops up. It's always kind of like okay, this is coming, and you're like okay, oh no. Better not do this. It's like it does. And like, oh, oh well, <laughs> they're dead now. <laughs> but I always feel you're not the man to say oh, horrors. I'm really not <laughs> at all. And like, I, I 100% admit that I'm not. I'm not yeah. it. I'm not the guy. But after seeing Scream a couple of weeks ago, well, true. I was like, hey, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm wrong. This maybe, is how to do it. Maybe I've been wrong my entire life. Maybe you have, Brian. But it turns out maybe that was the exception. Yes. So you had no epiphany that week? I had no epiphany. Here, black pudding it again. Evil Dead Rise. I'll give it like three. Okay, three black puddings out of ten. It's give it still, an extra one because the filmmaker yeah, is we'll, an we'll Irish give man. The, we'll give the extra Irish. Yeah, good stuff. Four black puddings. So it's still Not to you, Lee Cronin. Okay, Evil Dead Rise. It's out now. Have a look at the trailer and see if, like, the minute it started, I, I was off, pushed the chair away from my desk. Couldn't do it. See, I hadn't even seen the trailer. So I had no, <laughs> idea, I had no idea what I was expecting going on. All I seen was the poster. Okay. So it's not and as the if, poster's freaky. It's not as even if it's not. Ah, okay, we're just different people, bro. <laughs> so you're away for the next couple of weeks, but you're still going to do the movie reviews for us. But you have a a, a a plan. I'm a little bit jealous of. It's a real take me where the wind takes me. Yeah, it's it's. Oh well, I literally stayed up to like four o'clock last night trying to. Did this just come to you in the middle of the night that you'd like to go traveling, or has this always been the plan? For Always. two weeks, it's not uh, like he's going to Australia for the year. He's going away for two weeks. Like two days ago, I said <laughs> it'd be cool to go to Northampton next week to Why visit North- my friend. Oh, One of my okay. friends lives over there. Okay. Yeah, and, and then, then okay, that spread to well. If I'm in Northampton, I might as well go to London. Uh-huh. And if I'm in London, 
I could dip over to. Are you getting the Euro train? I'm not getting the Euro I train. Know, why not? It's expensive, oh, Orla. It? Okay. Like for the the price of the Euro train, I could get like three flights okay. on a different train. Disappointing. Like. But uh, I'll be going from yeah. So then I was like, I was trying to be right smart and look at flights from London to Luxembourg, but they were like eighty euro. I was like, mm, I can do better than that. Okay. London to Frankfurt, uh-huh. sixteen euro. Nice one. And then a train from Frankfurt to Luxembourg, twenty two. Okay. So you get to see another country. Wow. But it turns out I booked the wrong airport in, in Frankfurt. <laughs> so then I was like, oh, I have to get the train from the airport into Frankfurt. And then I'm like, hey, look, I have a friend in Cologne. Cologne is near Frankfurt. I'd give them a text, going up to Cologne for a night. Then I'm dipping down to Luxembourg. Okay. So And then I might dip over to Paris as well. You never know, like. So if you're friends with Brian and you live abroad, avoid all texts from Oh, him. yeah. Yeah, there's a good chance. It's going to be couch surfing. I will be on your sofa. No no question. So when we're talking to you next Sunday, we don't really know where you're going to be. I have no idea where okay. I'm going to be. Okay, well, I look forward to that. He doesn't even know, do you know the movie you're going to review by any chance? Guardians, Volume 3. Okay, good stuff. At yeah. least you know that. But what country he'll be in, who knows? Let's talk to you next week. No bother at all. See you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103.